Well, good morning, and what a delight to be with you here on Labor Day weekend. And I just want to say thank you for uh, your work, for your labor um, in our communities, and uh, for our, our reality in our world. And and uh, Scripture says that our, our work matters, and that is a, a gift of the Lord, even though sometimes you wonder. Um, it, it, it is of the Lord. And maybe you're visiting here this weekend. We're so glad to have you. I'm Pastor Doug, one of the pastors here. And we're right now in a, in a series called Sent Forward. We're kind of have been laying some groundwork for it, and, and we're getting into some of the core of it today, and it leads into today. And um, I want to begin with this, imagine with me. Imagine with me some of the big God call moments of Scripture. Uh, I have eight of them to come to mind. Adam and Eve. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. That's a big God call. I mean, that's like a task where it's like, seriously, like that? Uh, Yeah, that. I think of Noah. Hey, Noah, I have a job for you. Um, I would like for you to take the next 100 plus years of your life, and I'd like for you to build a floating zoo for me, uh, because I've got, like, uh, some action to take here. Um, Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Another one, Abram. Abram, I'd like to relocate you, and I would like to, from you, start a nation for my name. Oh, okay. Uh, another Moses. Uh, Moses, I-, I know you're in your 70s, 80s, but here's the thing. I have something for you to do. I want for you to go to Egypt, and, and I want for you to take all those couple million people out of Egypt. All right, you in on that? Uh, I'm 80, man. Uh, Israelites. Okay, now that I've brought you before me here to Mount Sinai, and now that you're in front of me and I've brought you out, I'm calling you to be a kingdom of priests to the world. All in? Uh, really? From being enslaved to being called to be priests to the world? Us? Like, we don't have the credentials. No. I'm calling you for that. Or here's one, David. David, man, you smell like sheep. But uh, I'm anointing you to be king of my people. You up for that, young man? Uh, Two more. Hey, Mary. Hey, Mary, I kind of want to do a little thing in your life. Like, how about this? How about giving birth to the Messiah? Uh, okay. And the last one, disciples. Hey, disciples, it's time for me to head back. This Holy Spirit's coming, and I have a call for you. It's time for you to begin going and making disciples of all nations. Whoa, really, us? Yeah, it's time. It's time. We've been talking about how disciples follow and disciples make. We're right now we're entering into that whole section on disciples make. And, uh, and God has big call moments in people's lives. And there is a big God call on you and me. If you know Christ is your Savior, there is a big God call on you. 
question. Are we in on that? I think we could agree that uh, just the fact of God being able to give these calls, like I, examples that I made, just the fact that God was giving those calls was enough for them to be able to heed his call. I mean, I would understand all of that. I mean, I think of Moses. Exodus 3 and 4 have become uh, unlike uh, any other passage to me over recent years of just doing ministry. And Moses is, you know, God, burning bush thing. And God's like, got a thing for you. And, and he's like, not me. No, no, you got the wrong guy. Like, I, 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 I can't. Like, I'm not even good at talking. Like, no, 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 not me. And I think we can all understand that. And yet in it, I think we could agree that the fact that Moses might feel ill-informed or even ill-equipped for it, the fact that God has called him to it, knowing our God not only calls us but equips us for such tasks, the fact of him saying, yes, I'm going to do that, um, is the right thing to do. God, follower of Christ, has a call on your life and my life that's not a suggestion, that's not really even an option. It's a call not only to follow, but it's a call to make disciples. And we're leaning into this in this series. I'm using the image of farming each of these uh, five Sundays here on this disciples make, farming, gardening. Uh, that whole idea is used throughout Scripture. Uh, the five Sundays here that I'm not, we're now in is, is today is uh, disciples make by preparing. Disciples make by preparing. Uh, then we're going to get into disciples make by planting, and disciples make by watering, and disciples make by weeding, and disciples make by harvesting. These are going to be practical Sundays as we move into these. I, I want to equip you. I just want for you to know, this is not a guilt you series. Let me say that again. This is not a guilt you series. I, I was in, in business for 20 years before vocational ministry, and I remember sitting in the seat sometimes, and it's like, okay, here we go. I know what this series is all about. This series is all about telling me how how I stink at this and how I got to get at it. Not that. I want to equip. Am I going to lean in? Am I going to call? Oh, yeah. But it's a call for us to grab a hold with hope. And so today, I want to talk about this whole aspect of disciples make by preparing. By the way, preparing the soil uh, precedes planting. Preparing precedes planting. If we're going to be a sent people making disciples, we need to understand what it is to be a prepared people. So we're really focused on that. And two things I'm highlighting today is preparing ourselves, preparing yourself, and preparing your field. The main most of this time is going to be on the first. We'll touch on the latter because that'll carry over into the weeks to come. So let's dive into that. Disciples make by preparing yourself. Preparing precedes planting. Uh, farmers do not wake up on a day and all of a sudden a random day and all of a sudden uh, they have a, a, a random walk in a random field and there's a random harvest all done. I will say this though, God's people, I actually think that's how we think making disciples actually occurs. I actually think on the whole we are quite unintentional. We are quite random about the whole idea of making disciples. And I'm looking forward to helping us along to grab a hold of how this can be. I think we're supposed to wake up one day and there's someone on our porch asking us about, I need Jesus, can you pray with me? 
And yet, uh, God has called us to enter the harvest field and to enter in with that. Uh, gardeners do not wake up and poof, all of a sudden, there is this beautiful garden of vegetables. There is this beautiful garden of, of flowers out there. It doesn't happen that way. Uh, not only do they do a preparing of the soil, but they prepare themselves for it. So let's, let's lead into that. Uh, consider Noah. Uh, I would say Noah was divinely prepared over time. Uh, God gave him a call, and, and then it wasn't like, here's a boat, now float. It was like, hey, build this over 100 years, and I would suggest this, and I am going to disciple you and prepare you for the ministry that I have for you over these coming 100 years, as he was learning and doing. I would suggest it was the same for Abraham, uh, where uh, God says, here's what I'm going to do with you. And then like they need a child for that to make happen because he and Sarah don't have a child yet. And if you're going to have a nation, like, yeah, it kind of works that way, doesn't it? You got to have a child. And so God waits 25 years before they have a child. Why? What's up with God with that? Might it be that God is preparing Abram for what he has ahead for him? I say yes. You know, sometimes this whole call of God is in a grand urgency, 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 urgency. I'm going to say, look at the scriptures. And frankly, I'm going to tell you, I don't see a grand urgency. I see an intensity. But I do see God building in his people. And out of that comes multiplication of that. I think of Moses. Moses, hey, you're 80 years old. I got something for you. And God disciples him for the years as a shepherd in Nowheresville. Oh, and then God disciples him as he enters Egypt, and God disciples him as he comes out of Egypt with the people. And we could go on and on and on. Uh, Joseph, discipled in prison for 13 years before he stands in front of Pharaoh. Oh, we love the whole he stands in front of Pharaoh and everything turns out good. But we don't want to talk about the 13 years of being enslaved in a prison. I don't want that part. I just want the latter. And so on and so on. David is called to be the king. And yet for 10, 15 years, God has him on the run in the desert for his life. Why would God do that? The apostle Paul, we think that he, he, he's put face down on the road to Damascus, comes to Christ, and bam, he's like this amazing disciple maker in Christ. Do you know, realize that there's some 13 years before he goes on his first ministry journey? Hey, friends, all of this gives us hope in this. And right now, I'm saying we've been a church now for some 14 and a half years, and I just want to say this. I think it's time. It's time not only continue to be a people about discipling and depth in Christ, but it's time to have an increased passion, an increased love, and an increased vision for those out without Christ. And in this, it's time and so it's time to do some preparing of ourselves. So let's start there. Preparing of yourself. Three things I have here. One, uh, we prepare ourselves by hearing. Uh, we always do that. The farmer learns uh, new technologies and new abilities and, and new things. The gardener learn, learns about new things uh, going into it. The, the, the gardener, the farmer prepares themselves for it. They even have a calendar on when it should happen and, and when these things should go. And there's a, a begin with hearing and learning. And I want to put that on the table for us three passages I have for us. These actually have been passages we've already looked at within the last few weeks, but let's go back there again. Let's start with Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. We're big about the Bible around here. We want to see what God's Word has to say. Matthew chapter 9, 
verse 37. It'll be familiar to you. The first, uh, uh, the verse there uh, says, then Jesus said to the disciples, the harvest is what? Plentiful. And the laborers, hey, there's a word for Labor Day weekend. And the laborers are what? Few. What is the harvest? Well, I might say this. The harvest are those without Christ. The harvest are those without the good news of Jesus Christ. They're, they are those without the gospel. Hey, there's plenty of them. Uh, God's people, sometimes I think that we have the idea that there's none of them. The truth of the matter is, is the harvest is plentiful. I mean, look around. Okay? That's not the issue. It's the laborers are few. It's those with the gospel who are willing to go into the harvest field into the, and, and to do the laboring work of that. And let's be real. Let's, let's be really real about it. Uh, might that be us? I'm going to say probably most likely it's most of us. And, and I'm just going to be straight up with you. I'm going to put myself in that too. What's the call? The call is not for we need a harvest, those without Christ. The call is that we need for those with Christ to go out to those without Christ, to share with them the gospel of Christ so that they might come to know and receive Christ so that they can then be trained and discipled in Christ so that they can then be able to go out and, yeah, and we move on. And it continues on and on and on. And here, Jesus wants his disciple makers and training to hear that there are many without the gospel, but a shortage of those with the gospel who are willing to go out and be laborers in the harvest, communicating the gospel. There's a need there. There's a need there. Turn to Matthew 28, the end of the gospel of Matthew, a very familiar passage. It's a commission. It's a big commission. Hey guys, that's in the text. <laughs> hey guys, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I love that last statement. Hey, what are the disciples supposed to hear in this? I would suggest that, that they're supposed to hear that they're to go out with the gospel to those without the gospel, and then those without the gospel come to know and receive the gospel when they are discipled in the gospel. Are you with me? It's not, hey, those in Christ, go cluster all together and just cluster deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper together. It's not a call for that. Listen, we're all about that, right? We want to be depth in Christ. We want to be that kind of a people. We don't want to be fluffy for God. We want to be deep in the Lord. And yet the reality is in that, it's not a call to cluster together. By the way, it's also not a call just to go out and, and, and share and uh, by God's grace, see people, come to, see people come to Christ by praying a prayer and then go to the next person, pray a prayer and the next person, pray a prayer and the next person, pray a prayer and there's no discipling of them. It's not that either. And I'm just gonna tell God's people have this way of saying, if you're doing a series on going out, well, then that means you're giving up going deep.
wrong. In all seriousness, you want to go deep in the Lord? Disciple someone in the Lord. That'll take you deep. Because you'll start asking questions you haven't even asked before. And are we? Go and make disciples. They're hearing, go to the unsaved and equip the the saved. Go to the unsaved and equip the saved. Uh, Let's let's hear from a a few writers uh, from a couple of my favorite, most influencing books. The Trellis and the Vine by Marshall and and Payne. They, They say this, the Great Commission. The Great Commission, in other words, is not uh, for the 11 only. It's the basic agenda for all disciples. To be a disciple is to be a disciple maker. The radical in this, the radicalism of this demand often feels a world away from the ordinariness of our normal Christian habits and customs. We go to church where we sing a few songs, try to concentrate on the prayers and hear a sermon, and we chat to people afterwards and then go home for a normal week of work or study or whatever it is that we do in time to come again next week. And we might read our Bible and pray during the week. We may even attend a small group, but would someone observing the, from the outside say, look, there is someone who has abandoned his, has abandoned her life in Jesus Christ, or to Jesus Christ, and is on mission. And when we look at the early disciples in the book of Acts, we see this confession and allegiance being worked out in practice in the face of opposition and persecution. There is no doubt that the apostles played a leading role in testifying to Jesus and in teaching and preaching, but they weren't the only ones making their confession publicly. As the magnificent prayer of boldness in Acts 4 makes clear, the early Christian disciples all regarded themselves as servants of Jesus, and all were given the Holy Spirit to speak out in his name. Francis Chan, in his book Multiply, Disciples Making Disciples, says this, So what comes to your mind when you think about Jesus' command to make disciples of all nations? Many read these words as if uh, they were meant to inspire pastors or missionaries on their way out to the mission field, but have you ever considered that maybe Jesus' command is meant for you? As we read to the rest of the New Testament, we see God's people working together in obedience to Jesus' command. They reached out to the people around them, calling them uh, to follow Jesus. The disciples went about making disciples, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus had commanded and baptizing them. Uh, Some of them even moved to different areas or traveled around so that they could tell more people. They took Jesus' words seriously and literally. Reading through the New Testament, it's not surprising to read that Jesus' followers were focused on making disciples It makes sense in light of Jesus' ministry in the Great Commission. One more paragraph. Jesus commands you to look at the people around you and start making them into disciples. Obviously, only God can change people's hearts and make them want to become followers. We just have to be obedient in making the effort to reach them, even though we still have plenty to learn ourselves. Turn to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. The third under gospel hearing. This is gospel hearing ourselves. We just need to hear this and rehearse this again. Read this the other Sunday. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, Paul is saying of him and his team. God making his appeal through us. That's an amazing statement. 
the channels of. And then he says, uh, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, he's telling the Corinthians, this is what our task is. It's not just the, 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 the disciples who received the Great Commission, but it's being carried on and it's saying, we are ambassadors. And I think that whole idea carries on to us, friends. We are ambassadors. What's an ambassador? An ambassador is a living representative of a place, of a people, of a person. And they are the ones who are placed somewhere to be the living representative of. And Paul says, we are that. And then what's his, his message? We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's the message. That's what disciple makers do in their homes. This is what disciple makers do in our kids' ministries, in our student ministries, and in small groups, and in our soul care of each other. This is what disciples maker do, disciple makers do on go trips, or in welcoming, and serving, or greeting at the door. This is part of it all together in this. Yet those words from Matthew chapter 9, Matthew 28, and 2 Corinthians 5, those words are not just only in-house, those words are especially oriented to those out to those without the gospel, to those who don't know Jesus. And yes, we are to disciple and go deeper together, but there is a call on our lives to love the lost and to see them come and be saved in Christ. And we are that, are we? And I'm gonna ask it this way, no response, are we? Am I? Life gets busy, friends. Life gets heavy and noisy. Oh my, these last months of this year. And our hearing God's commission call oftentimes gets set back here somewhere. I want to bring it to the forefront where it should be. And I want to lean into that with us. Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Mary, I have something big for you. God's people on the west side of Indianapolis, I have something really important and something big for you. I have a call for you. Are you going to hear it? Are you willing to hear it? We need to hear again, anew. We prepare through gospel hearing. Secondly, we prepare, we prepare through gospel heeding. I've already essentially alluded to this, so just real quickly. We've heard, will we heed? I've noticed people pause before committing. Hey, you want to come over Friday night? I'll get back to you on that. What's going on? Because I'm wondering if something better will come along. Right? I'm wondering if something bigger is going to come along. You know, just because I, I want to be able to be, be in on, you know, the biggest thing, the best thing for how I'm feeling at that time. And I'll just say, and by nature, we just pause before we, we, we commit or, uh, consider committing ourselves to something. Uh, we, we pause until we want to know all that it will require of us. 
Like, Doug, you're talking about something. Can you please tell me everything about it before I commit to it? I can't. Might I just say it this way? God has made a call. Is that not enough? That's what it should be. It should be if, if God has called you and me, those in Christ, to be actively engaged in seeking the loss to become saved in Christ, should that not be enough, even as ill-informed and ill-equipped as we might feel? Uh, yes, that should be enough. Lord, send me. That, that should be burning with us. And oh, friends, I, I pray that it is, but I'm just going to be totally straight with you on it. I question whether with God's people, whether an apathy has grown and we really don't want it. Straight on the table. And I've been asking myself that question all week. And I ask you. I'm not sure we really want it, God's people. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just trying to be genuinely authentic with you. That we might heed this call. And that leads me into the third thing. I think at a place where it's like we prepare through gospel praying, oh God, I need help. God, I, I hear this call. And honestly, I don't know if I want to do it. God, I hear this call and I don't know whether I'm willing to do some rearranging in my life. I'd love to talk about it. And I'd even like to nitpick about how others aren't doing it or a church isn't doing it. Or I'd, you know. God, would you instill in me a heart for the lost? God, might you move not just in the person next to me, but in me. Burden. For those who are without Christ, who have not hope in the current life and are doomed to hell right now. Oh God. I want to pray for us in just a moment on that. But before doing that, just... I think one of the biggest reasons that you and I struggle to see how this all can actually make a difference because it sounds so like you, you're talking to me about me just... me discipling one person and, and then seeing that multiply. I mean, come on. That, that's like... Let me help again. Uh, a few weeks ago, I put up this map. Uh, it's a couple years old. This is uh, households that um, on the west side. If we could go ahead and put that up. On the west side, there are 364 households. This is a few years ago of people who attended our church. I think this is just an amazing, amazing kind of an example. And I took all those dots and my geekiness from my R&D background and my engineering background. And I took the the 
area within each of those little circles and what would it be if, if uh, an appropriate circle to represent if, if one person uh, saw one person come to Christ and then uh, over a 10-year period and then they saw one and then in, in, in three years and then in a, another three years, they each went out. So let's see, a two leads to four, which four then leads to eight, which leads to 16. And so the space appropriately fitting, sorry, totally geeking out. All of you engineers are totally with me right now, I hope. Um, hey, Brownsburg, it could look like this in 10 years. In 10 years. If you just went and, and God allowed you to see one person come to Christ, disciple them for a few years, and then the two of you sought to seek two more disciples of Christ, and, and, then, and then see another. And if two per household, if two per household. So I said, what if a thousand people, I've got up here uh, 364, so doubling that, what if uh, 728 people? Brownsburg, just up north here, this is what could be happening. Danville, you're, you're wanting to get on the map because Danville always gets left out of everything. Bless your hearts, you know. So Dan- Danville, here you go. Here you go. By the way, this is just our church. Oh, by the way, uh, those in Plainfield, this is the kind of influence that could come out of within the next 10 years. Those living on the, in Indianapolis, on the west side of Indianapolis, I mean, uh, east of us from here, the location. This is what God could do. Avon. Bam. 10 years. Let's put them all together. Why can't that happen? Is it a problem with the harvest field? No. Oh, by the way, can you see church plants needed for all that? In 10 years. Let me say it this way. You take our church, of our church... 1,300, 1,500, if it grew to 2,000, we would need four church plants of 2,000 people and there still wouldn't be enough to have them. Oh, let's just fill all the other churches as well. And so God, I pray here for us. I pray for us in this that we would hear we would hear this call from Scripture. This is not just some kind of nice little thing, good idea. Here's a suggestion. I'm just going to toss this out, maybe ponder over this. No, this is a commission call. This is like what you said to Adam and Eve, go and fill the earth. This is like what you said to the Israelites on Mount Sinai. I want for you to be a priest of people to the world, and they did, they weren't. God, I, I pray that you would burn within our heart a love for the people you've placed right around each of us. The harvest field is here. Even, Lord, right now, this may be kind of the first time someone has like, even been exposed to this out of Scripture and put on even a map to be able to picture what could happen. God, in 10 years, that kind of a thing could take place. Why doesn't it? As I've sat on this and tried to be transparent with myself and just with God's people, I think it's because we're apathetic, Lord. 
It doesn't take a program. It takes people who are willing to say, Lord, as ill-equipped and even as ill-informed as I might be, send me. So Spirit of God, would you do a work in our hearts? Help us. For your glory and for the fame of the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Disciples make by preparing yourself. We've just got eight minutes. Disciples make by preparing your field. I'm just going to whet the appetite for the coming weeks here. Remember, preparing precedes planting. So what are some things that you could do? Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you would. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Just a little bit of background on uh, 1 Thessalonians. The Apostle Paul uh, goes to Thessalonica on the second missionary journey. It was a strategic place. Paul was, went to Philippi, and then he went to Thessalonica. They were going to the big cities on these, because the big cities, from out of the big cities, then the gospel could multiply on out from there. That was the strategy. I would say this, oh, Paul, Paul knew his, his field. He knew where he was going. This wasn't just some random walk that he was on. It's like, ah, oh, let's hang out here for a while. It was strategic. And he's there in this field, and he, he's, uh, the town of Thessalonica at that time was about 200,000 in population, they say. No small little town. And in that, he's, he goes in, as you normally do, he'd go into the synagogue, meet with some people who already have some spiritual interest, and he would start there with them. After a little bit, some things started happening. Some people started coming to Christ, and a big hullabaloo uh, came around. In the Greek, it would be hullabalooio, uh, came, <laughs> came about in all of that. And, and they, they booted him, they ran him out of town. He was only there for like a month, maybe two and yet God was at work, some stayed behind, and we can learn something. So Paul writes them this letter, and part of it is, is they're wondering, were, were, were you a con artist? Were you one of those religious dudes that come in and just trying to do a thing? And Paul is telling how he did ministry here. That's what I'm getting at. How did he do ministry? Here we go. Chapter 2, verse 1. For you yourselves know, brothers, that's cool, that right there is already telling that people came to Christ. For you yourself know, brothers, sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. Uh, but though we had already suffered and been treat, shamefully treated in Philippi, which is the town right before, and yet they keep on going, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, by the way, so have you. We speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. By the way, there is not a competition on who can win more and disciple more in Jesus. There is no such competition. Okay? Let's just make that very clear and very on the table. It's all together. Uh, verse 5, for we never came with words of flattery, not that way as you know, nor with a, a pretext of greed. We weren't doing this for some money thing. God is our witness to that. Nor did we seek glory from people. Oh, that can be the temptation. Whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. By the way, have you noticed that we live in a pretty mad world right now? 
And I'm going to say, God's people, sometimes there's a tendency to respond to mad with mad. I want to suggest we respond to the mad with like a gentle nursing mother who loves her child. Like that. It's not a call to hellfire and brimstone. It's a call to love. Like that. And then verse eight. I gotta say it in the New International Version. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God. That, friends, is a crazy statement. The Apostle Paul saying, here's how I did ministry. I love you. It starts there. I loved you so much that I was delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, which doesn't say he didn't share the gospel of God. He did share the gospel of God, but it wasn't only the gospel of God. So if you're going around and just saying, can I share with you the four spiritual laws? Can I share with, listen, you need to hear the rest of the verse because it says we, not only the gospel of God alone, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. It's pouring our lives into people because we love people because we're supposed to love all people and we love on them. And yet as we love on them, we're also equipped with the Spirit of God to share God with them. You don't have to become a pastor, okay? Just so you know. What I do is not what this is. It's loving on people. For you remember, brothers, verse 9, our labor and our toil. It is that, by the way. Happy Labor Day. For we work night and day that we might not burden any of you. Fascinating. Let me just finish with this. Three things I want to ask for you to consider doing this week. Number one, gospel field knowing. Gospel field knowing. Doug, that's weird terminology. I know, I couldn't figure anything else out. <laughs> what am I talking about? Know your field. What is your field? What is the field that God has put you around that you can be able to go, this is the field that I'm, be, I'm able by God's grace to begin permeating this field with the hope of the gospel with? Write it down. Write the names. Hey, farmers just don't go out in any random field and start planting. Farmers have a field and they invest themselves in that field. They know that field. They know that certain parts of the field are strong and healthy and I might say ready to have fruit grown out of them and others are dry and crusty. <laughs> and you treat them differently. Same field, different realities. I'm going to suggest this. Three, five names of people who are in your field and not all in your family. Maybe they're at school. Maybe they're at work. Maybe they're in your neighborhood. Maybe they're in a club you're a part of. Maybe you can't come up with any names. And if that's the case, that's okay. It's time to start. It's time to start establishing a field. 
What is that? Maybe part of the reason God's people aren't as effective in winning the loss is lost is because we're not strategic in our thinking on who is the lost. By name. Who's God put in your sphere of influence? Name them down. Second, gospel field loving. Uh, And then love on them. Can I say for the next three, four, six months, that's your assignment. Love on those. By the way, maybe that means that you need to make yourself available to them. Uh, By the way, guys with guys, women with women. Okay? Just being clear on that. Um, um, If there's a woman in your office who needs Christ, pray for a woman to come into the office to minister to her. Okay? Straight on the table. What's my point? Love them. By the way, maybe this means you need to start making some changes in your life right now. Maybe there needs to be some forgiveness you need to seek of them. Yeah, but they've hurt me. Tough. Seek forgiveness. What's more important? Your pride or them coming to Christ? Maybe it means you need to start changing your language or the things you talk about. You got the idea. Love on them. And third, pray. Pray, pray, pray for them by name. God, here's my peeps. And I'm praying for them. God, I pray that you would soften their hearts. I pray that you would bring conviction in their lives as is needed. I pray that you would do a revealing work to them. God, I pray that that you would do a drawing work in them. Oh God, I pray for them. And God, maybe I don't even have any around me. And so God, I pray for some people. Seriously, God's people. What if out of the hearing and the heeding and the praying for ourselves, we began truly knowing by naming and then going after loving on them just because we love them and then praying for them. Oh, friends, I already hear the harvest beginning to grow. By the way, two weeks, altogether service, Pastor Nate is going to be bringing God's word on that Sunday. Bring someone. Who are you going to bring? Who could you be praying for that you could bring and use as a, I'll even say, you can even have that as a planting opportunity as you're praying for them right now. And so God, out of all of this, we lay it before you. We ask, would you do a work? And Lord, really today, I'm asking, first and foremost, would you do a work in our own lives? God, I thank you so much. There are people in this room and who are watching online who already are at this and after this. And yet I think in this, there's the reality that we can all grow in it. Maybe, Lord, it's right now we need to own up to it and confess the fact that we've just expected others to do that. But not anymore. Not anymore. God, we may be scared, we may be ill-informed, we may be ill-equipped, God, give us a man, give us a woman, give us another teen. 
even just give each one of us one, that we would be intentionally pursuing now, strategically so, because we love them and because we love you. Oh, what could happen out of that even 10 years from now? In the precious, amazing Lord at work name, Jesus, we pray.